a 2-0 drubbing uh, at the hands of Chelsea with one striker's return to Premier League action. And that striker's name was not Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scoring a goal. It was not him. It was Romelu Lukaku. All of that, plus multiple outgoing transfers and incoming transfers to break down. This is the Going Going Lunar podcast, episode 43. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to, to the, the Going Going Gooner podcast. We ain't apologizing for nothing today. The, the plain and simple truth is that we suck. So clearly, Alvin listened to the episode. No, he did. I have no doubt. What makes you think more instability is what this club needs right now? Most likely will make one of the best Netflix documentaries since Firefest. The Going Going Gooner podcast is brought to you by your party station, Z89. Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast. Obviously, episode 43, Arjun, I just broke it down. We found out today, by the way, this is our 60th first recorded episode of the podcast. That's crazy to me. That's 61 episodes. I know. uh, We've been grinding at this for almost a year, um, so super excited for the future will be back in person next week. This is our final episode of the summer doing it over Zoom. Both of us will be back in the same place next week. So we're super excited to get back to doing it in person. Obviously, you know, we've gotten better at this over the summer, but it's just so much smoother when we can see each other in person. So excited for that, but not excited to talk about this Arsenal loss. Um, not at all. This, this was a, a tough loss at the hands of Chelsea uh, at the Emirates. Uh, full capacity was allowed in the stadium. Um, all the Gooners there, but Arjun, you can break it down more. It was a two nil defeat and it was, it was rough. It was very, very, very rough. Yeah. As you said, two nil. Um, I mean, listen, I, I overreacted a little bit in the moment. I, I quite literally turned the game off after the second goal. I can confirm. Um, he did text me that I can confirm. And I mean, I, I turned it back on for the second half. I watched the second half. So I really only missed about 10 minutes of the action, but um, both goals, it was the same issue. It was the same exact issue. Um, and I hate to say it, but Kieran Tierney kind of had a shocker this match, but I will always defend Kieran Tierney. So here's why he had a shocker. Um, Granite Jaka and Pablo Mari's positioning in this match was below average to say the least. Jaka has gotten used to covering for Tierney at left back. When Tierney makes those forward runs as he needs to do for our attack, Xhaka drops into that spot to take his cover. But many times, Tierney sort of expects Xhaka to be there. And that, that's why there was an issue with, with Reese James in behind. The second issue was with Pablo Marie, obviously. Pablo Marie had one of the worst performances that an Arsenal center back has had in a while since Shkodran Mustafi was on this team. Um, it was Lukaku tossed him around like a rag doll. I mean, Mari had absolutely no answer for Romelu Lukaku back in the Premier League. Um, and we, we bought Pablo Mari from Brazil for about 7 million pounds. Um, and that quality showed you get what you pay for. And th- he's almost 27 now. When the signing happened, it was like, oh, nice. This will be for depth. Nobody really expected him to be sort of a starter in big games like this. And if I can quickly say, though, the reason he is starting is that we have had another COVID problem uh, at Arsenal. And this time it was Ben White. Uh, our brand new signing, our new money signing was out for the week with a COVID problem. So because he tested positive. 
So he was not able to feature. Gabriel Magalhães is still not back. He's still not match fit. So just the center back position is currently just taking a beating. Yeah, and and after after this match, uh, I think I can uh, I can justify the Ben White signing a little more um, because you know both of us were skeptical about you know we didn't really need a depth we didn't really need more fortification at that center back position but this match showed we really need it um, so the Ben White signing I'll lay off him for a bit he didn't play great against Brentford obviously COVID could be an issue we don't know how much it's affecting him he's likely I'm pretty sure it was confirmed that he will miss um, the upcoming match against City as well so we'll see if Gabrielle is back fit um, but Tierney on both goals was way more inside than he needed to be and I think that was just a result of him trying to cover for Marie. Reese James had a fantastic match. He's just such a great footballer, one of the best right backs in the league. He's going to be one of the best right backs in the world, a goal and an assist. Um, just the, the way that Chelsea use space. I mean, when I, when I talk about this match, I'm going to, I, I predicted three nil to Chelsea. So this match went better than even I expected it to scoreline wise. Um, but, but Chelsea, you have to, when, when talking about this match, you have to consider that Chelsea are probably a top three. I mean, the, this team is ridiculous. The way they use space, they didn't even start in Golo Conte. Um, it's Alonzo and James, or whether it's, it's Chilwell or James on those wings, they stretch you out in, in a way that the Arsenal formation just can't unless those fullbacks make the forward runs. But with the three at the back that Chelsea employ, Rudiger, Christensen, and Aspilicueta were solid. They were solid at the back, and Alonso and James are given the freedom to, to really make forward runs, especially Reese James. But when, when, the, when the left back and the right back for Arsenal don't make those forward runs, we can't stretch a team as much as a team like Chelsea do, which is why I think um, one, one issue with uh, Arteta's tactics is not Tierney, because Tierney does exactly what he should be doing, making forward runs, allowing that left winger to cut inside. But the right back just doesn't do that. And that's why Nico Pepe isn't performing at his best. Because when Pepe just employs that, that spot on the sideline, he's not going to have any impact on the match. If Cedric or Chambers and Bellerin could make a forward run, stretch the defense, bring in Pepe to a more central area and Smith Rowe's obviously always going to rove. I mean, we, we really need to be learning from other teams. And, and I think one issue with Arteta, I'm, I'm growing a little sour with him now. I'm, I'll be very honest. I am getting a little, here, here, getting here a little comes these, the slowly digging in of Arsenal managers into under our skin a bit more so than normal. It happened with Emery happening with our tattoo now as you could tell continue <laughs> and yeah it, it's I, I still i'm getting i'm getting closer to that point um to to where i think that maybe new tactics could help because arteta we know he's a proud man he's not going to change it up and that's i mean if i'm not saying i'll be a better manager obviously but if i was a manager i'd just be trying things right i'd just be trying things what else do we have to lose at this point lee dixon said it in the match why Arsenal have nothing to lose. They're down 2-0. Why not just try things, right? And that gets me back to this point. I don't think we can act after three matches. Everyone's saying Arteta out. 
everyone plays the same 38 games. Everyone plays the same matches. The fact that we just happened to play two of the three best teams in the entire world in the first three matches, obviously it's going to be bad for us. The, the Brentford loss is unforgivable. I'll say that obviously, but I never expected to get any points off of Chelsea and city because these are two of the three best teams in the world right now. So um, I'll, I'll reserve judgment for the couple fixtures after the upcoming one against city. Um, but I will be, I will be nitpicky with, with the tactics from now on. I've given him a lot of leeway. Um, and now I've been more patient than other Arsenal fans, but I think the patience is wearing away. Again, tough lineup that we had to put out there because no Aubameyang, no Lacazette, no Ben White, no Partey. This Chelsea team is just better. And, and it showed. It showed. And I just want to also emphasize the impact Romelu Lukaku had on this team. I mean, it was vibrant and it was apparent as all heck as soon as the match kicked off, how much he means to them, that he is an actual finisher. I mean, we saw it with the first goal they had, but 15 minutes in, he runs in the box. James crosses it right to him and he taps it in for a goal. Timo Werner hasn't been there in that spot for them the past season. Lukaku's going to be there. He also played with his back to goal the entire match and looked like he could have run through a brick wall if he had to, like 10 of them. The man is just a different level of striker. He helps Chelsea an extreme amount because he opens up play for them. He means that he can sit there with his back to goal at the midway line and just sit there and get a ball to feet and play it to someone else and they can make runs past him. It gives him the freedom to do so much. It means the wingbacks can do more. It means the wingers can do more. The midfielders get to do more open play. It's just beneficial for this entire team. He's in this system. So they are a much more dangerous team than we even give them credit for, which we've said them in the two Manchester clubs of the top three teams in the league, they are much better than we even thought they would be, which is saying something. Um, and just Lukaku makes a difference for them. And he signing wise might be one of the best signings. I know how much he costs, but he might be one of the best signings of the window. If they win the league, they win the league. He's the best signing of the window. And I will hold my hands up and say, that's the truth. And absolutely. Lukaku has, has changed his game since he went to Italy and, and he, he is a more complete player, similar to the way that Harry Kane has become a more complete player. Lukaku is a more complete player now. Um, and that's, that's scary because he, he's able to hold up and distribute in a way that I don't think that Manchester United were able to employ him in. And uh, I really, on, on the point of Lukaku, I really want him to score a goal at Old Trafford um, because the way that United fans sort of treated Lukaku was, I, I really hope he proves them wrong because uh, Romelu Lukaku is easily one of the best strikers in the world. And, and he, he's shown it. The way he played at Inter has given him that confidence to come back to the Premier League. And I have Salah winning my gold, golden boots still, but Lukaku obviously is a top contender for it. And he will rack up some assists as well, but just because of the way he plays, just because of the way Chelsea employ him. Um, Lukaku and Tuchel, I think, is a match made in heaven. Um, I, I think uh, I still have City winning the league. But again, I've said Chelsea are the closest contender. And I really think that City, Chelsea, and PSG are the three best teams in the world right now. You could add Bayern into that mix, but I really think that these three teams 
are the three best in the world. And um, the fact that, you know, uh, Arsenal team, where we went wrong, I think, was the period between the first and second goals, because that was... It was abysmal. After we score a goal, look, we look completely rattled. And I think that's why I sort of, that's why I sort of got really frustrated after the second goal went in, because after the first goal, uh, there was no threat from us. In the first 15 minutes, we looked fantastic. And, and, and we looked, we looked the brighter team until that goal went in. Um, we were the better side um, in, in creativity at least, but um, the last 10 minutes of the first half I heard were pretty decent. And then the second half Chelsea were not really pushing as much. They didn't need to, but again, um, I'll take a few positives because I've gone through negatives from this one. I think there are, are two clear positives from this match. Can I? Uh, Emil Smith Rowe and, yeah. and Sambi. Sambi Lokanga. What a player he is. I mean, there was one pass he had to, I think it was Tierney. That he was, yeah. much turned, got past the player, and then played a perfect ball to Tierney, who on like perfect touch, and then on the first bounce, crossed it in almost perfectly to where it should have been. I, Sambi is so good. Him next to Thomas Partey is going to be dangerous. I cannot wait to see what they do together. Oof, we've got a combo on our hands. And, 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 and the, that progressive passing is what we've been missing in Jaka because every time. Every time we see Xhaka play, uh, it's, it's it's either average or he just makes a huge blunder. And this match was just average from Xhaka, I think. Um, the progressive passing is what we've been missing. And and Sambi just already looks so confident on the ball. And um, he, he seems suited to Premier League play already, which is so impressive for someone who signed from the Belgian league. Um, it, it, starting his first two Premier League matches and probably putting in the two best performances uh, in an art. So, um, really excited to see what he can do. Really happy, really excited to have Partey back because, um, I, I hope that Jaka makes way for Partey and that it's not Lokonga because Lokonga has earned it. Um, Smithrow again, um, didn't have as good a performance as he did against Brentford, but I, I think clearly the second best player on the pitch. But the issue with this performance is that the players that we need to be performing just didn't. Saka was really poor in this one. I think Tierney, obviously his positional errors cost us two goals. Pepe was just sort of there. And with the system we have, Gabriel Martinelli can't do anything. And we know how talented Martinelli is. Kyle and I both love the way he plays, but just in this system, Martinelli up top isn't working. And As if unless, I get- we can, unless we can deliver in those crosses to him through Tierney, um, he needs to have the ball at his feet. And He's a deadly finisher, but he needs to have the ball at his feet as well. And the first sign of that was as soon as Alba came on as a sub, he was subbed on for Saka. Martinelli went to the left wing. The first thing that happened was Martinelli got the ball to his feet and ran in on goal and had a shot on goal. It was great to see because it looked like all of a sudden he was like, he had the weight off his shoulders. He had freedom to do what he wanted to do. That I never thought I would say this, but we have an issue with like who to play where now. And it will only be getting worse, Arjun, because Arsenal have more transfers in that we do need to discuss. And one of them is Martin Odegaard. Martin Odegaard confirmed to Arsenal for, I believe, 30, 35 million euros. Um, it could go up to up as much as 40 uh, with incentives and such. So 
He's here at Arsenal full time. We are all happy to have him. He's wearing the number eight kit. Um, and he makes this a much more difficult, like formation wise. Like, what do you play? I mean, firstly, up top, you have Alba and Laka, which is a whole discussion to have. On the left wing, you can play Pepe, Martinelli, Smith Rowe, and Saka. On the right, you can play uh, Saka, Reese, Pepe, Smith Rowe, Odegaard, Reese Nelson. In the middle, you've got Odegaard and you've got Smith Rowe. All of a sudden, you have an issue of who do you play where? And it, I didn't think we'd have this have to have this discussion, Arjun. But based on form right now, I don't know who is going to like be quote unquote undroppable. The only person last season that was undroppable was Saka because we had Smith Rowe and Odegaard rotating in the middle. So that was fine. Pepe at the end of the season played well enough to be undroppable, but currently there is not a player that has played well enough so far to earn the spot back. The only player I would probably say, I know you're going to say Smith Rowe, but Odegaard coming in makes me want to say him. The only person I'd say would be Saka because of his last year's form. That is the only person I would say. And the only reason why is because of how he played last year. Uh, I think Odegaard will bring a lot to this team. I'm super happy that, that we have him permanently. It's, it's kind of surreal because I've been hearing about this kid for, for like seven years now that um, pretty much since I started watching the Premier League, people have been talking about Martin Odegaard and the prodigy that he is. Unfortunately, Real Madrid never really gave him the chance in Real Madrid's team. But, I mean, Sociedad fans have been saying that he, he's, he's a very, very good player, and we saw it in, in flashes. Obviously, getting adjusted to a new club in six months is extremely difficult. He was injured for a month of it. Now that he's permanently in London, permanently an Arsenal player, he's going to deliver. I'm super excited to see how he develops. And, and this transfer window has been, has been pretty uh, – it's not, it's not a win-now transfer window. It's, it's not a win-now transfer window. It's a very strange, like looking now and also looking to the future window, which I mean, we've discussed it a bit. We don't really understand the window that we've had, that it, it's just, it continues to make less and less sense. And in addition to that, we've obviously, we said we've signed Ben White, we signed Martin Odegaard, and we also officially confirmed the signing of Aaron Ramsdale from Bournemouth for, I believe, 24 million euros. So it was below the asking price he had, which helps a bit the price tag isn't crazy anymore but the signing he yes he does he's better in the system Arteta wants to play he's better at playing out from the back but it was not a position of need we needed a goalkeeper yes but compared to right back compared to midfield compared even at this point now to striker it wasn't an area of need and so filling that before something else doesn't really click with me as I know it doesn't click with me. And I know you've taken a bit of a weird stance on it. You don't understand the everything. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll explain my thoughts on the Ramsdale deal. Once more, I earlier in the transfer window, I was extremely opposed to it, but it, I think with this signing, the club has sort of stated their intent that Ramsdale will be the new number one in, in a year or two. Um, I think Leno Leno's run at this club will be done soon. Um, but I mean, as I said, it's not a win now transfer window. Guys like Tavares, Laconga, Ben White, Ramsdale, Odegaard, 
they're all 23 and under. And, and I think that states an intent from the board and from the ownership that they're going to back Arteta. This is Arteta's vision and, and Adu's vision. Whether we agree with it or not, if, if a new manager comes in and doesn't like four out of those five players, that's money down the drain that, that you know, the Cronkies aren't getting back, right? And uh, I, I think that's something that I haven't really seen a lot of people talk about, that how I've seen our, our fellow, our friend of the pod, Cam McCauley, he's tweeted a couple times that he likes this transfer window because of what it says for the future. Uh, frankly, we're in a rebuild. We have been since since Wenger left. But uh, Emery really wasn't able to hit the ground running on that rebuild. Obviously, he got Saka, players like Saka involved. Um, but I think this is just another step um, in, in, in that process. Obviously, everyone's saying trust the process. Like, we're, we're Arsenal. We should be good now. A lot of people just have to accept that we can't really bring in players in the world anymore. Right. I mean, not for Chelsea or Liverpool or United right now because of the pressure forced Wenger to get out, the pressure at which we forced Emery to get out. And now the pressure that Arteta will certainly face has been facing. But I think the board backs him. And I think this transfer window shows that we've spent the most money in the Premier League, this transfer window on players exclusively 23 and younger. And I so, just quickly on that note. Out of the, you can basically make an entire squad on our team a decent squad of under 25 players. You've got the uh, defensively, you've got Tierney, Ben White, Gabriel, Ramsdale, and Net, Nuno Tavares as defenders, solid group. You also have Maitland Nile in midfield. You got Maitland Niles, Odegaard, Lokonga, Smith Rowe as mid, and then on the wings, you've got Saka, Martinelli, Reese Nelson. And then up top, you have obviously have Anketia and Balogun. Like, we have a very strong young core. It's just the players that are playing for us don't fit with that. That it feels like we're trying to do two things at once, but we can't get one of them right. And it's just a weird, like, push and pull of, yes, we should be playing for the future and planning for that, but also we have to be planning for now. I don't understand what they're trying to do with the idea of just planning for the future if say we start dropping out, when you start dropping down to this eight to 10 slot in the prem, we're not going to make Europe anymore. Even the, the conference league, we're not going to make that. We're not going to be in Europe. So we're going to get less and less signings. The idea of Arsenal being a prestigious club will go down the drain if we can't get back to Europe. So, and we're not going to do that if we don't have the players for that. And we keep discussing this, like, there's these rumors of players need to get rid of players. There's currently, it looks like Torreira's on his way to Fiorentina for 15 million on loan for a season. Plus there permanently afterwards for 15 million euros. There's a rumor that Willian two Corinthians in Brazil is going to be happening. Colossanash the Fenerbahce is all but confirmed. Eddie and could be going to crystal palace. Like there's a lot of these rumors coming out of players leaving and they're very strong and good. And we want to see them leave, but there's no rumors of players coming in that are actually players we want to have in the club. Like, yes, we're good with Ben White now. We're okay with Ramsdale, whatever. But we are going to need a striker. That something you mentioned before the podcast, and you can discuss it more right now, is there's rumors of 
if a bid comes in for Aubameyang that is the correct bid, we would accept it. We discussed this last week, Arjun. Who do we sign if we sell Aubameyang? Like, I want you to tell me, who do we, who realistically could we go for? Like, who's on the market now? Yeah, uh, you mentioned Holland. That's out of the question, I think, at, at least for the next year. I mean, obviously, Odegaard, Holland, Norwegian, you know, you can make whatever conspiracy theory you want. It's not happening. Um, Lautaro Martinez was a name thrown around, but he's firmly staying at Inter. Um, and Tammy Abraham was a name tossed around, but he's now at Roma, got two assists in his first match. So um, I, 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 on your points that you just made, Kyle, I totally agree that I, I like the planning for the future that we've done. Everyone under 23, all of this money that we've spent um, will go towards an investment for the future. But again, that could all fall apart if a new manager dislikes one or two of them, right? Um, I, I think the money could have been spent to get someone to win now, right? Uh, some of the money that we spent towards Ramsdale or White could have gone towards getting, say, a right back, right? A right back or, or someone like Yves Basuma. Um, a, a player who I love, who put in a fantastic performance this weekend against Watford. Um, I think the the glaring issue is that it's exactly what you said, Kyle, now that I think about it, just we're trying to do two things at once, I guess. Uh, but we're, we have, I guess, committed to the youth. We, we've committed to that. But I mean, when, when there's still need for you know, a right back, maybe even another holding midfielder, maybe a striker, but definitely a right back. There's no more incoming rumors that I'm hearing at all. There's a week left in the transfer window. All these outgoing stories have come out today, pretty much. Willian Torreira, Kolasinac, and Ketia all may be on their way out. All players who I'm completely fine with leaving the club, first of all. But um, it's, it's taken a while for these outgoings to happen but I'm fine that they are happening. The outgoings I'm okay with, but there's no more really incomings. Um, Willock obviously is, is also, has also left. So um, as, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain because the, the transfer window closes in a week and I think Arsenal's done. I, I think we're done doing our business, but uh, I think that the money could have been better spent I like the idea, obviously. Um, and uh, just to finish off, I'll just say that Martin Odegaard, I think, is our best signing the window just based on value. Um, and, and I think that our system might have to change because I really think that Smith Rowe and Odegaard complement each other really well. Odegaard is not a player like Smith Rowe is. Odegaard is a much more, is a much less direct player than Smith Rowe is, which is why I don't think you can have one or the other playing. I think they have to play together because Smithrow is much more direct. Odegaard is the guy that can pick the pass. He's the player comparison isn't exactly Ozil, but but if I were if I were to think of an Arsenal player who played like Odegaard, I would think Ozil or Cazorla. Not a Ramsey because Ramsey was much more direct. Cazorla, in his own way, was also really direct. Somewhere in between Ozil and Cazorla, I'd say Odegaard is. Um, but really happy with that, but I think the system will have to change. I think what, what, um, what Chelsea have done with playing Havertz and Mount together, both sort of attacking midfielders who sort of play on the wing when they drift. Um, Smith Rowe is definitely that, but Odegaard isn't. If Smith Rowe can employ that drifter role 
and Odegaard can just be firmly the number 10, the number 10 role, it could work. But I don't think we can just swap both of them out. And like you said, it's, it's, an, issue with, it's an issue with who do we play where. Um, and one final thing, I, Odegaard, for his price, is a far better signing than James Madison at, at that price. I think it's almost half the price that we paid, that we would have paid for Madison. Um, I just like the Odegaard deal a lot better. Very happy with that. But obviously I have reservations with the Ben White deal, with the Ramsdale deal, Nuno Tavares and Lakonga, both I think B plus to A to A deals for us. Yeah, I agree that Lokonga and Tavares, perfectly happy with them in any window, especially now that I'm fine with that. But Tavares filled a hole we had, which was a backup left back. We didn't have one. He's a good cover. He's young. He fits perfectly. Cool. Great. Lokonga has looked stellar. I We cannot put that lightly. That I'm a bit more okay with not even signing Basuma because of how well Lokonga is playing. That if he can stay playing this well, I know they're not the same player, but if he can stay playing this well and Partey comes back and plays like he has been, I'm happy with that. I'm fine with that. That's cool. And then the Ben White deal, again, he worked in Brighton's system. We know that. They had a very, very strong defense. Will he work in our system? We'll have to see. Him and Gabrielle can make a strong partnership with Ramsdale, I guess, in goal. So are we going to now sell Burnt Leno? Is that what's going to happen? Because as you said, Ramsdale's going to be the number one. Leno has to know he's on the way out. So what does he do? If you're Burnt Leno, I would be like, I want out of the club now. Like you guys signed my replacement without telling me until now. So I want out of this club. It, it doesn't make complete sense to me uh, what we've done. And the only way, as you said, we're done with the window of selling and stuff. The only way anything could happen is if we sell somebody like Aubameyang or Bellerin and then have to buy their replacement. That is the only way something would happen is if we have to buy a replacement for a player. But I just do not see that happening. That, again, as you said, Holland's not going to come here because we'd have to spend a billion dollars to get him. That if we sell Alba, we're not going to get him, we're not going to sell him for 70 million euros. This based on how he's looked recently, we're going to be lucky to get 40 million. We're going to be lucky to get that. So Alba's sale plus the other four players plus Bellerin could get us about half of Holland's price. Like take that into account, listeners. Like we cannot afford Holland. We cannot afford Lewandowski. We cannot afford Harry Kane. We can't do that. We don't have the money for it. We can't get Lotaro Martinez. He's not leaving Inter. They just sold Lukaku. We're not going to get Abraham because he's at Roma, as Arjun said. There is not a player we can sign right now that is even half decent at striker. There's nobody that is on par or better than Aubameyang on the market. So we're kind of now in limbo. <laughs> so they do take this. They, they do accept that offer of Aubameyang, whatever it ends up being from whoever it ends up being. If they accept that offer for Aubameyang, there is not a player we can buy to go into his slot. We just lose a striker, and that doesn't help us now. And it's it's also a really bad look because he signed a mega contract last summer and is our club captain wearing the number 14. I mean, it's not a good look if we sell Aubameyang. I, I, his, his work rate has 
gone down in recent, you know, recent months and his, I guess his desire has gone down, but I, it really was a dip in form. I think he, I don't know if he can get back to where he was, um, you know, the season we won that FA Cup, but if he can, he, I don't know. We'll have to see with Aubameyang. It's, it's been two games again, to the first three games we've played where we're going to play this season are against two of the three best clubs in the world. So I didn't expect us to have zero points at the end of it. And, and we may still end up with one or three, maybe if, if Manchester city have an absolute shocker, but zero points after three matches is pretty bad. And, but you still have to consider every team plays the same 38. So it's, it's not like in, in the NFL where your strength of schedule matters a lot more because every single team plays the same exact schedule, the same exact teams twice. So that's the difference, I guess, um, with, with you know, people, people sounding the, the panic alarm. Remember, we started really poorly last season and then finished off really strong. And that sort of that momentum sort of took Arteta into this season. Um, if we didn't win five of the season, I think people would be a lot more. I, I still, I, I can't even imagine the anger at Arteta if, if we didn't finish top 10 last season, because those last five wins in the Premier League helped us get eighth um, because we had the momentum because, you know, while the clubs were fighting for top four, we were fighting for top six still. There was still a shot we could get it. Um, uh, I, I think that we could go on a run. Obviously, after we get the Chelsea and City fixtures out of the way, we can go on a run against those more mid-table clubs. I say as we are sitting in 18th right now, I think, and we haven't scored a goal all season. But I don't know. It's tough. It's a tough situation. Um, but I take more solace in knowing that I'm not a decision maker here. I mean, I'm none of the. I take solace in knowing that I'm not a decision maker, and none of our fan base are decision makers. Because <laughs> as, as I've said before, we are hasty, we are impatient because of the status of this club. And, and money talks, obviously, as we've always said on this show, that, that money is important, but at a certain point, it's how you spend the money. A team like Leicester money far better in the last five years than a team like Arsenal has, even though we are funded. Um, I, th I think we're funded better. Um, and, and we are a big six side. So that, that it counts for something, but it doesn't count for everything. Agreed. Um, but we'll have to see on the transfer window. Obviously, as we said, next week is the end of the window. We will try and get up for you guys a transfer window special discussing the biggest moves that have happened throughout the entire window. And it'll be a very fun discussion, Arjun, of just everything from Sancho to possibly Aubameyang, to maybe Griezmann. I mean, Messi obviously is going to be discussed in there. Maybe Mbappe and Ronaldo. Who knows? But we'll have to wait on that. We got one week left. Again, for all transfer news, Arsenal, make sure to follow us on Twitter at GGGunnerPod. We will be having all the Arsenal news up there. Um, before we wrap up our June, Arsenal plays two matches before our next episode. Uh, we have the League Cup against West Brom which a quick note on, I feel like you're going to say the same thing, which is we should win this. It's going to be most of our youngsters, but we should win this. I think you'll agree with that. Yeah. If, if it depends on the lineup we put out, I think West Brom will be going at a hundred percent for this one. Um, I, I think they'll, they'll toss everything they have. 
Um, obviously, West Brom were a team that played in the Premier League just last year, so I, we can't underestimate them. But uh, a victory is imperative, obviously. I don't, if we come out with a loss in this one, it's going to make things much, much worse. Um, so it, d- it depends on the team we put out. I expect Balogun, players like Balogun and Aziz to start. Um, I think we'll see Ramsdale for sure um, make his debut. Um, would love to see someone like Reese Nelson play. Um, Lakonga, I think we'll be saving him for City because Partey will still be out. Uh, Tierney came off with injury against Chelsea, which is something to watch. I don't know how injured he is. Tierney, we obviously know, has an injury history, um, which is why we bought Tavares. So Tavares, I expect to start. Um, but when it comes to the youth, I want to see Aziz out there. I want to see Balogun out there. And and definitely Ramsdale, not really youth, but, you know, see his debut. Yeah, see the debuts. And as you said during that little chat, uh, we have our league match uh, coming up this weekend. And as we've said, it's against Man City um, that we lost to Brentford. We've now lost to Chelsea. It does not get easy for us anymore. We now have Man City to uh, go at. Um, and City winners in both their matches, or no, winners in one of their matches. They did lose to Tottenham their first week. Um, but we now get to face Manchester City, a team that we, I believe both of us predicted to win the league. Um, which, going to be honest, not ideal. Um, they lost to Tottenham the first weekend, and then this weekend they beat Norwich 5-0 um, with a own goal, a Jack, Jack Grealish goal in his first match in front of the City Faithful. Uh, Laporte, Sterling, and Mahrez each contributed one as well. Um, Arjun, I'm just like looking at their team and I want to acknowledge the fact that they started with a squad of Ederson, Laporte, Diaz, Cancelo, and Walker at, in the defense. And then Rodri, Gundawan, Bernardo Silva, Ferran Torres, Jack Grealish, and Gabriel Jesus in the midfield and up front. And on their bench, they had Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez, Nathan Ake, Benjamin Mendy, Fernandinho, and Alexander Zinchenko. They had that on their bench. And that's not all the players they have. They have more. I, I don't think everyone has understood where City is at. They can field an entire two squads worth of players and be fine and win the league still. It, we're screwed, aren't we? We're really screwed. With this yeah, and, and I'm looking at the head-to-head. Arsenal have not defeated Manchester City in the Premier League since 2015. Um, so I have no reason to believe that changes. Um, I'm going to predict 3-0 to City. I, they... I don't know. Are we going to the Etihad for this one? Um, the, 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 the previous match that Arsenal played was at the Emirates full, full stadium, obviously. Um, and, and I think the fans were, did make sort of a difference. Um, this one is going to be uh, in Manchester. So, um, you know, going to Manchester city, never an easy task. Again, haven't beaten them since 2015. We won on the 21st of December. We beat them 2-1. Obviously, we've beaten them in the FA Cup in the semifinal um, uh, on our road to winning the FA Cup in 2020. Um, but again, the, we, we stand no chance. Um, obviously, when, when we saw our first three fixtures, Brentford, Chelsea, and then City, everyone expected three points, right? Um, because none of those points are going to come from 
playing Chelsea or City. Obviously, we did the double over Chelsea last year, um, but I don't think I expected it. I don't think I expected us to even get a win here. I think a goal would be nice, but I don't think we get it. Um, so three matches, no points, no goals. Um, yeah, that's just that's just how it is right now. This is this is going to be tough, um, but I want your official score prediction uh, for this match. I'll go first here. I, well, I mean, last week I thought three one. You thought three um, nil. We we have the correct winner. We didn't have the correct score line. We got close. Um, I'm thinking four two four one city. I we're gonna get thrashed. This is gonna be a tough one. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with my gut and go four one city. I think we finally get a goal, and I it's not gonna be Ben White. I don't think he's gonna be able to play because of COVID. Um, I would have normally said Ben White, but my guess at this point is it's going to be Smith Rowe, just because why not? Um, but it could be literally anybody on this team. I have no clue who's our goal threat anymore. If we if we can if we can take a page out of the book of Tottenham, um, what they did to City in 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 match day one was really a great tactics from Nuno, and I'm sure Arteta will be looking at what Tottenham did in that one um, because they were they played such fluid counter attacking football. Um, but I don't know if without Ben White that our defense will be able to hold up against. Um, our, our low block will be able to hold up against City for all 90 minutes. Um, but if we get a goal, it will have to be on the counter. Um, I think we just have to take the back foot in this one. Um, and, and, and a player like Aubameyang up top will definitely help the counterattack. Lakonga and his progressive passing will certainly help. I expect to see Odegaard start um, or just make an appearance. I, I hope he starts um, because his, his passes on the counter to someone like Aubameyang or Martinelli up top. I think Martinelli could be really beneficial in this one, making runs in behind. I think that's just what we're going to end up having to do um, because we're not a team managed by Pep Guardiola is going to have the possession. And that's exactly what Heung-Min Sun said after Tottenham defeated Manchester City. We know City is going to have the possession. We have to take our chances. Sun and Bergvine had great performances against uh, Manchester City. So if we can have two of our attackers, Saka, Aubameyang, Smith-Rowe, Odegaard, Pepe, two of them, if they can be bright, be bold, um, then we may be able to snatch something from this one, but I just don't see it happening. I say 3-0 City. 3-0 City, 4-1 City. It's going to be a rough week if you want to fans. Um, but we will have to wait and see. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at GGUnarPod for the entire match coverage. We'll be covering it. Um, one of us will be live tweeting the match and all the highlights that do come out from it and any controversy that does happen, because as we know, every Arsenal match has some sort of controversy, whether it be good or bad. So that we'll have to wait and see on, but Arjun, this wraps it up for episode 43 of the Going Going Gooner podcast. It has been a, a long 61 episodes. We're still grinding on. We're almost at that one year anniversary. We will have a special episode up for that anniversary. You'll have to wait and see what that is. But Arjun, for all the listeners out there, thank you for listening. We will talk to you all later.